photographer, uh, can we applaud him for a He's actually my partner, uh, which I say instead of the word boyfriend, because uh, I'm an ally. <laughs> yeah, the last show we had, he was like, Flinta comedy is weird. You just like complain about stuff. You just tell about your life. Like, well, that explains the amount of trauma in this part versus the straight male comedy part. They're fine. I don't know. The clip you just heard is today's guest, Jana Levitinia, performing at the Pussy Jam Comedy Showcase at Heldeke Bar here in Tallinn this past February. Jana is one of the co-founders of Aflinta, female, lesbian, intersex, non-binary, trans, agender comedy club here in Estonia, and is also an editor for Feministerium and has worked with the Tallinn University podcast. Today, she's going to talk about the role that humor plays in pride activism. I'm Terry McDonald, and this is the Town University Podcast. The first Pride March in Estonia happened back in 2004. At the time, it was covered almost exclusively negatively in the media and faced resistance from both the government and police, who tried to prevent the event from happening. The following year's march went by largely without incident, but then in 2006, attendees had rocks and eggs thrown at them, with a few people receiving severe injuries. From that, in 2009, Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia have been organizing Pride events together under the umbrella of Baltic Pride, uh, partially as a response to this violence and resistance faced by previous Pride attendees. Now, here in Estonia in the present day, the new governing coalition is moving forward with removing gender from the definition of marriage, but it is facing more than 700 challenges in Parliament from the opposition. So, it is in this context that we celebrate Baltic Pride 2023. We're happy to have Jana here with us today to talk about the role that humor plays in Pride activism. Hope you enjoy our conversation. Jana, welcome to this side of the Tallinn University podcast. So let's start in a general sense of what's going on in society. Why is pride necessary in 2023? Uh, it's a question that gets asked a lot. Not the best question, but it does require an explanation for some people. Because it does seem that, uh, for example, in Estonia in particular, there's a lot of got good change happening. There's uh, marriage equality on the horizon. Um, but we do see how... Uh, how people are still questioning the validity of gender and sexual minorities, uh, how much of a negative response, uh, even even the parades themselves, even pride events every year uh, uh, garner, and with the new coalition and with the new promised uh, changes uh, regarding gender equality and uh, gender minority and sexual minorities. There has been so much media outrage, so many homophobic opinions coming out in the media that shows that actually people are not used to seeing people of different sexual and gender identities. So the visibility at the minimum is something that has to be pushed, is not the best word, but it is applicable. That has to be pushed just, just so people get used to seeing different people and at least become tolerant to them and then at some point become accepting 
uh, of people regardless of their identity in this sense. Okay. Now, of course, um, there's been strong pushback in popular media these days. There's been a lot of, uh, you know, libs of TikTok pushing of uh, anti-trans views, things like that. Do you, is this going to play part of a role in this year's Pride? Uh, yes, actually, we have a new uh, local NGO which uh, works specifically towards uh, trans rights. Uh, it was started just less than a year ago in Tartu. Uh, and it is a thing that actually the feminist community and the LGBT community uh, struggles with right now is the anti-trans movements even within these communities. Uh, because again, because of a lack of visibility, people see difference as a threat. But the statistics speak very loudly. Trans people of uh, both trans men and uh, trans women face, f depending on the country and the statistic, face up to four times more gender-based violence and sexual violence than cisgender men and women. Uh, and no matter the sexual orientation, mm. it's just a fact. Uh, because and if it's a trans person of color it's just at the bottom of uh, all the violence statistics and all the discrimination statistics so it's the most marginalized group within the LGBTQ community uh, which is already marginalized in which is already yes so it's the just the intersection of everything that can go wrong in uh, in quotation marks uh, the normal people's eyes Okay, well, let's let's go with that theme. You also work with Feministerium. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about the links between feminism and LGBTQ plus rights? Uh, the biggest uh, link, I guess, uh, we as femi in Feministerium focus more on intersectional feminism. Uh, so well, let's assume not everyone might understand what that means. Let's uh, explain what that is. Uh, yes, uh, <laughs> was was just going to do that. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> mansplaining for a second. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is the humor part of the podcast. Uh, intersectional intersectional feminism uh, means that we look at intersections of uh, different points of marginalization. So, for example, race and class, gender and class, gender and race. Because, uh, again, the statistics show that the more points of uh, contention uh, a person has to face, they don't just... They don't just... just uh, sum up, they grow exponentially. Okay. Uh, so uh, this is where feminism comes together with the LGBTQ LGBT uh, rights, as there is a lot of uh, women in the community and there is a lot of trans women and trans men who face gender-based discrimination. And generally, the, the gender and sexualization questions are very big in the LGBT community. And one of the biggest uh, obstacles that uh, the whole community faces still is sexual objectification of the whole community because mm. it's it's taking as people deciding who to have sex with and not uh, what their identity is, who their life partners are, who they love, who they want to be friends with. Uh, so it's like so a fetishization sort of thing. Yes, uh, objectification is the is uh, seems to me like a more. Uh, applicable word because people are seen as a sexual object and people cannot take this take an LGBTQ plus person from the sexualized context and see them as, an, as a just as a human being with feelings and other interests mm. they are uh, confined into this 
person having sex with a person of the wrong and quotation mark gender uh, yeah so and it's a big part of the feminist uh, conversation but unfortunately within the feminist community there's also uh, trans exclusionary radical feminism yes please talk about that who uh, say that trans women in particular uh, I don't even want to repeat this, but I have to for context that somehow the fighting for trans women's rights and for trans rights takes away from cisgender rights somehow. But again, statistics and all the experience uh, in the field says that trans women in particular are the most marginalized and victimized mm. groups of all the groups in uh, this gender and uh, sexual minority uh, communities. So, th- is so the role of the feminist community to stand up for them? You see? Yes. Basically, uh, basically, yes. It would be very good uh, if uh, if the turfs of the world, uh, which is a trans exclusionary radical feminist, okay. uh, would uh, see that we're not fighting against anyone. Where feminism fights for gender equality, not for uh, rights for one group, but for. Uh, removing gender stereotypes from all the genders including including cis males including non-binary people including trans people uh, because a more equal world world and less stereotype inducing world uh, Mm -hmm. is a better world for everybody because then we can all be ourselves and do what we want to do if it doesn't hurt others and that would be lovely okay well, I mean, you've been cracking some jokes already, and you're a comedian. Uh, can you tell us what role humor plays in social activism? It actually it has been a trend somewhat in the last, maybe not decade, maybe a little less, of comedians being more uh, socially active, uh, especially in this socially, uh, like, human rights topics. Mm-hmm. Uh, a desert who actually... Uh, came out as trans some years ago, uh, but before, I guess because of because of the time, because she's like sixty mm-hmm. years old. Uh, before, uh, you know, the joke was that oh, I'm a I'm a male lesbian uh, and a transfe- transvestite. But then recently, she's been saying that well, actually, since I was five, I knew that I was trans, but uh, couldn't uh, in those situations uh, behave appropriately. Uh, but uh, uh, yes, yeah, she's been she's been getting into politics and doing a lot of charity work. Uh, but in general, comedy is a great it's like alcohol, uh, but a, a less harmful social lubricant okay. that uh, kind of makes people feel for you and empathize with you. Mm. And then you can kind of slightly push your agenda uh, or explain your point of view in a more relatable way, because joking, just it just evokes uh, positive emotions and people want to feel those emotions. And so they want to relate to the person who sings. So it just works well. And also for the uh the the clip that we had uh, in the beginning uh, touches on the subject how much uh, trauma there is in queer comedy mm. uh, because uh, it's just a way to air your grievances mm. but uh, in a lighter way and around people who understand those grievances because uh, what we do in uh, pussy jam it's a flinta comedy so it's it's a term uh, made up in germany which stands for 
female, lesbian, intersex, non-binary, trans, and agender. So it's basically uh, exclusionary of cisgender males in the name of, of inclusivity. Uh, but why this exists is because it's a very different subject matter. Okay. And a lot of times if you start talking on stage about uh, LGBT uh, problems, for example, or, yeah. or mental health, and it's like a normal mainstream comedy setting, people will not relate to it. They will not laugh with you. They will either laugh at you or they will just... Not say oh why are you why are you getting heavy you're just you're just mm. talking about your problems what a, what is this but in a queer setting in this like because we, we get a <clears throat> we get a bit of a different crowd on our events than on the uh, mainstream comedy events and the uh, response is always very positive and people laugh and people relate to these topics mm. because they have felt all of that and they need to uh, work through that trauma also for, hu for humor so it's a great way for a community to come together and to see that other people struggle with the same things and yeah well on that note like as you just mentioned uh, you sometimes people give feedback of like why does your humor have to be political why can't it just be funny like why do you have to have uh, these elements uh, what do you say to people like that like why does why should humor be political and be part of the pride like conversation well because it's already political there's so many especially transphobic and uh, homophobic jokes as a staple of comedy like saying mm. that oh i looked at a girl's butt and then it turned out that it was a man oh what a mm. phobia oh how weird like that's it's it's quite homophobic it's uh, and not just to say that oh it's homophobic it's bad but it uh pushes people who are in the closet still further into the closet because it makes this attraction to non-female bo body by a man uh, as something bad and shameful and that you should laugh at mm. uh, and the same with uh, jokes about trans people it already exists it's already political it's just on the other side so reframing the subject and joking about the same groups of people but not making their existence the the punchline but making something yeah. else in their actual genuine experience and their experience and not somebody else's experience with them the punchline it just changes the conversation and changes the perception because there is a there's a phrase in russian uh that there is a little bit of a truth in every joke but uh we ironically ironically change it that there's a little bit of a joke in in every joke because actually we take jokes as uh, the framework of our thinking. So when we change that, we change our thinking. Mm. And it's already it's already political. You cannot say that it isn't. It represents uh, how the particular person sees the world and what they find wrong with the world, because that's that's what you joke about. You say unexpected in quotation mark things, and uh, uh, yeah, we can change it through humor, and we should. And also uh, opinions. There was a there was a great joke by this one comedian who was like, people say that oh I'm not political I don't care I'm not a woman, or a minority, or or a student or a teacher yeah. or a parent. So everything all, all of our lives are political to some extent. We all uh, face discrimination and harassment and just personal problems that we need to address, and it's just uh, stupid to tell people that certain topics should not be addressed just because you find them too political it's not your you, you don't have to listen it's not your joke and it's not your experience well about that i mean if part of the role uh, that, uh, that you discussed already was 
making pride and uh, activists' experience more relatable to wider audiences. How do you bridge that gap then, like, of making sure your humor is reaching these audiences that need to hear it? There's there's d a debate about this even in my head. Okay. Because, uh, oh, please let us let, let us get involved in in there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <Woo. laughs> Enjoy the ride. Um, on one hand, uh, we do want to be heard more by different people, and to also appeal to the conservative side, just in the sense that if a person can be turned to, to mm. the dark side, we want them to turn or to empathize more. Uh, and on the other hand, you always reach a point where talking to the other side is not the most important thing or it doesn't work or it's just a waste of your effort. So, mm. <clears throat> for example, um, the same like with our events, if we, uh, or basically like queer comedy in general, if you try to to make your topics kind of more diet queer or whatever okay if that makes sense uh, or diet feminist it will be less appealing for both groups and it mm. will not be true to yourself so it's not gonna work but also it's a bit of a waste of uh, time and effort because like why like why should I why should I make my humor more appealing to a person who thinks less of me than themselves and their peers like why why is it why should it be my job to appeal to them if they don't wanna if they think that like I, I'm not appealing as a comedian or as a person who does things so what I come to in the very end usually is that uh, for me this events and pride and, and all the activism is for visibility is okay. to is to just be there long enough so that people get used to the fact that you're there and be loud enough so that they cannot uh, shame you because it will be shameful to shame you, you okay, know? Okay. So like if you, if you, I've, I've had that in bars that I've worked with where whenever people would misbehave, I would uh, play the angry feminist. And uh, that is my title in some of my friends, friends uh, groups, uh, officially and unofficially. And over time, people do start catching themselves when they say sexist things, when they touch somebody without asking, because like when you point it out all the time, like as as a human person we don't want to do things that go against the norm mm. so you just have to shout it loud enough to make it the norm which conservative populists do all the time and it does kind of work so uh, why not do it for a good cause uh, if it does work and if it's enjoyable well as part of that debate uh, you mentioned earlier this uh, Flinta community uh, why is it important to have exclusive spaces in the community? Uh, again, uh, for support and to feel safe to talk about the subjects that you want to talk about and that are faced with criticism or just a lack of understanding in general communities because uh, yeah, it's a, you, you get a very different response and if you come up uh, to an audience with something that is very dear to your heart, an experience that you find uh, important and all the time you're told that, oh, that's not a relatable experience, 
like you should you should joke about something relatable about mm. something everybody can understand uh, and first of all that doesn't exist uh, and second of all it's just not relatable to that audience in that group who goes to those mainstream events or like whichever events so uh, it's important for preserving your actual self and to finding your crowd and uh, and again it's not like an exclusive uh, community in a sense that we do not allow people uh, like cis males to come into the audience and listen we just focus on highlighting gender minorities on stage okay because overall in comedy there is uh, the vast majority are cis men and mostly straight cis men and again that uh, affects the topics that are joked about that affects the audiences uh, there's a lot of sexism and homophobia in jokes. What, even like what's, what's seen as acceptable yeah, uh, topics like, for humor. Even like yeah. very casual sexism of just of just having full sets about uh, women's bodies or just like casual homophobic jokes of like, oh no homo, I kissed a man, but it was my dad. Like uh, it's still uh, it's called microaggression, very very popular word nowadays. Uh, but it's like a little thing that you don't mean in a in a harmful way, but it mm. still perpetuates the same stereotypes. And and the most important thing is that it separates a whole group from the norm. It says that we are the norm, and this weird group that that we uh, point out that they're different. They're they're different. They're not us. We cannot relate to them, so we find them weird. So we joke about them. It's exoticizing in a very slight way, but it still keeps that that border uh, in between. Uh, yeah, and also it's uh, exclusionary communities uh, or specific communities are also not a not a new thing. Like there's fraternities and pool clubs and poker clubs and whatever there's mm. so many male communities that exclude women just because it's like boys talk and even though you're our like sincere friend uh it's a men's space and we cannot let you in because we just don't let girls in like it already exists it just annoys people for some reason uh when it's a new group who decides to uh to create something for themselves you know, you don't have to be invited everywhere. It's okay that people have their own spaces and uh, everybody's allowed to do that. Um, let's go back to the wider idea of Pride. Uh, of course, it's Pride Month here now in the Baltics. Uh, why, I mean, we discussed this before. It's important to have people in the audience understand. Why should people outside of the Pride community care about these sort of events? Uh, there was just a very good... Um, a very good uh, opinion piece that came out in uh, uh, posthumous by Sveta Grigorieva, she's a choreographer and an artist uh, here in Estonia, and uh, her uh, her message was that I, as a straight person, uh, have never felt what it is like to be afraid to hold uh, my lover's hand on the street, to hug mm -hmm. a person that I like, to tell my friends uh, that I'm interested in somebody and not to be supported just for the fact that I like somebody. And uh, uh, so first thing is just just basic empathy. Okay. Just if you think how hard it is not to be accepted for your for one of your core cores of your identities, even by your family and your friends and the mm. whole society, uh, 
just just basic empathy would be nice but also again a more equal society creates uh good for everybody less unhappy people uh is better if you if you marry a closeted uh person and then find out that actually they are interested in a different gender and you already have five children because the heteronormative family is supposed to have five children you're not gonna be happy your five children are not gonna be happy and it's a little bit late to decide not to have those five children so you know it gets people in a lot of pickles uh if we talk about it lightly uh so uh yeah it's nice to it's nice to uh support uh, those people who are struggling because it will help us because uh they will uh contribute more to the society and to be like super cynical yeah. they will create less problems for you personally because an unhappy person in society who's struggling with their identity uh they will have problems and they will cause problems for you either by being your friend and you helping them with their struggles mm. or by any other way and uh, so it goes for all the uh, straight macho men who uh, who do not allow themselves to feel any feelings because of the homophobia that's uh, that's punched into them throughout their life those are the most like the most violent people are people who cannot come to terms with their emotions because of this like straight macho-ness uh, yeah so it would be just good for everybody the society would be all sunshine and rainbows pun intended uh, and we will all be very happy <laughs> well it, it does remind me of what you were talking about earlier about uh, how acceptance for any marginalized group makes things better for every group yes but, yeah yes. Uh, so now you have some uh, performances coming up uh, as related to Baltic Pride can uh, yes we are this? actually doing a charity event for the local LGBT association uh, it will be on the 9th of June uh, in Svetabar uh, but also this whole week is Pride events there's going to be a Pride March on the 10th which you can join with a group or with everybody you can also join with Feministerium we're going to have our own little uh, uh, part uh, and uh, yeah and there's a lot of actually just like events concerts parties until the end of the week and it will be fun and the if our event in Sveta is donation based so it's free to enter and the donations uh, the proceeds will go to the uh, LGBT association for the good things that they do fantastic well Jana thank you for joining us and uh, happy pride uh, thank you for having me and happy pride Okay, thank you for joining us on our annual Pride episode. Uh, as always, we've been brought to you by the Baltic Film Media and Arts School here at Town University and the School of Governance, Law, and Society of TLU. For more information about our programs, many of which are in English, you can check out www.tlu.ee. Come study with us. We'd also like to celebrate working with Estonian World Magazine this season. Uh, they share our passion for English language stories about Estonia's role in the world. You can check them out on Facebook or at estonianworld.com. Our producer, as always, is Avo Ulvik. Hello, Avo. Uh, further research and development has been done by Jana Levitinia, Mal Kashmiri, Peter Nikonen, Cynthia Enemosa, Chong Bin Lee, Nur Iliana, Eva Deatschuk, Tong Ding Kang, and Katrin Helen Kasavandik. Our theme song is Ghost of 68, written and performed by myself and Paul Simmons. Uh, all other music is uh, also written and performed by me, maybe Avo. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at TLU Podcast or on Twitter at Talon Podcast. 
We also have a TikTok channel somewhere. I am not familiar. <laughs> we want to thank you. Uh, this is going to wrap up season three for us. Uh, thank you so much for everyone who's given us a click, given us a listen, and especially if you've given us a share and a review. We really appreciate it. Uh, we'll be reassembling the team. So if you're interested in joining, yeah, you can uh, check us out on our Facebook page and just leave a comment by all means. Uh, we'll be putting out a call for our next season's interns very soon. So thank you so much for everyone who's been part of our journey thus far, and uh, we'll see you in season four.